0: We certainly thank, thank the Lord for the choir singing the truth. Amen. He, Christ, amen. shall reign, His yes, reign forever. Oh, yeah. For he alone is Lord, Lord. the sovereign king. Yes, no one made him Lord. Praise the Lord. Is. He just amen. is. Amen. Well, it's time for the preaching of God's Word. And let's see what the Lord will do. Because if preaching takes place, it can only happen by His grace and for His glory. We're working through the Gospel of Mark. Thank you, God hope to be finished this year. You said, of course you'll be finished, Pastor. There's only three more chapters. Let me say that one more time. I hope to be finished this year. (laughs) This is our third message on the first 13 verses of Chapter 13. You have the responsive reading in your program. If you would stand, please. It's on page 6. Of God's word. Yeah. And as he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings that will not be left here one stone upon another, that could not be thrown down? And as he said, On the Mount of Olives, opposite the temple, Peter, and James, and John, and Andrew, asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign that all these things are allowed to be accomplished? And Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come and say, I am he, and they will lead me astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet.
1: For nations will rise against nations, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places, there will be famine. These are the kings of the
0: word of kings. But be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. Here are the verses we're preaching today, verses 11 through 13. When they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit.
1: And brother deliver brother over sin, and the father is
0: Together, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Amen. Wow. Let's pray. Father, this is your word. We are your servants. I am your chosen Preacher for this time of preaching. My aim is your glory. The intent, and desire of my heart is to, is to preach your word, saying only what you intended to say. So, Father, as I heard. Preached on last Sunday afternoon. I willingly yield myself, my members to the Spirit to be used as an instrument for righteousness. Amen. For your name's sake. Amen. I ask you to get glory through the preaching of your word. I pray for your people. Oh, Holy Spirit you have taught me much now I pray and ask that you would teach them much illumine minds to see what they otherwise could not see and to understand what they otherwise could not understand work in us to believe together to repent together to submit and obey together the all-sufficient, authoritative word of our Lord and our Savior. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The beginning of the end, this is uh, my fourth song on these verses. And I remind you that this is the Olivet Discourse that is also... in Luke 21, as well as Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24. And this discourse started because of Jesus, Jesus' prophetic announcement of judgment on the temple. The disciples wanted to know as after Jesus announced this, when these things will be, what will be the sign of his coming. So they associated the destruction of the temple with the end of time, okay? But Jesus was not associating the destruction of the temple with the end of time because we know the temple was destroyed in AD 70. However, what Jesus talks about teaches that will happen prior to the destruction of the temple foreshadows much of what we see happening and will happen as we get closer and closer to the second coming of our Lord so we have seen as Jesus began teaching we have seen these main points we saw in verse 5 we saw the coming the coming deceivers right the coming deception remember in verse 5 and 6 that Jesus warned them about then uh, in verse seven we saw the coming division wars and rumors of wars that's the consequences of division okay then we saw in verse eight the coming disasters the coming disasters and then we saw in verse nine and ten the coming persecution and we interacted with Josephus the Jew, Jewish historian who who documented what Jesus said that actually happened in history today I want to extract from the Word of God two more precious points one in verse 11. The other in verse 12 and 13, I want us to see in verse 11, all of this looks so dark, doesn't it? All of this is coming, right? But I want us to see in verse 11, the comforting promise. Then I want us to see in verse 12 and 13, the crushing hatred. The comforting promise, the crushing hatred. You can't look at these verses and not come to the right conclusion that Jesus is sovereign and in control of all of history. How in the world can the Savior prophesy, predict what's going to happen and it actually happens unless he's in control of it? And remember, when you think of God's sovereignty, Don't simply think about what God uh, does in terms of his power, but also think about what God allows as well. For brothers and sisters, I, I will throw away my Bible and run to the hills if there's anything that can happen in this world apart from the sovereignty of God. But I don't have to do that because nothing can happen. And I don't understand all that God allows to happen. But I do know this because I believe him and I trust his word that he will cause all things to work together for good for those who love him, bringing us more and more into conformity to the image of Jesus Christ, his son. Everything will culminate fitting his glorious purpose, and God will get all glory. That's what I believe, and I believe for one reason. He said it. (laughs) That's enough for me. So, join with me today as we continue this amazing uh, exposition of the Olivet Discourse. Today, let's begin looking at verse 11 as we think about the comforting promise, the comforting promise. I love that the Lord gives us comfort throughout these very, very difficult prophecies. He gives us comfort uh, in reference to what I just mentioned, that He's in control. And I know since God is in control, He's my Father. He's our Father, right? So it has to work out, right? But He gives His disciples comfort uh, in this verse as well because a lot will happen to them, and it will be physical, and they will be taken. Notice what he says in verse 11. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, he didn't say if, he said when. Do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. As we think about the comforting promise, what is Jesus teaching us here about this comforting promise. Well, first of all, notice the context for the promise. What's the context? And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over. So what is Jesus doing here? In verse 10, he just says the gospel has to be preached to all nations, didn't he? Mm -hmm. So in verse 11, he resumes his discussion of persecution. So the context for the promise is the verse, when they bring you to trial and deliver you over. This is the context for the application of this promise. That word bring pictures them as persons under arrest on the way to be handed over to the judge. Jesus is saying the disciples will be hauled into court they're going to be cross-examined by authorities. They will be, de- they, they will be delivered over. verb means to deliver a person into the control of someone else. It refers to handing over a presumably, pres- presumably guilty person for punishment by the authorities. So they will be deli- delivered over because they are presumed guilty. Guilty of heresy because they preach Christ. Everything will happen to them because they follow Jesus. Do not expect every day to be sweeter than the day before because you follow Christ. Everything will happen to them because of their unwavering loyalty to Jesus. Yes. Everything will happen to them because of their refusal to stop preaching Jesus the Christ. Yes, sir. Yes. And when the disciples find themselves being brought to trial, delivered over, presumed to be guilty of heresy, Jesus is saying, "You can expect some help." Yes. Thank you, God. Thank you. Wow. The Lord is going to give you exactly what you need when you stand at the seat of power and give account for why you preach Christ and why you love Jesus and why you're loyal to him. Thank you, God. That's the context. Yeah. But after the, we see the context, thinking about the comforting promise, we see the command. There are two commands. We see the command in the promise. The first command is negative, okay? Notice what he says, the command in the promise, the negative command. Do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say. That's strong words, isn't it? You're being brought to trial and... Because you love Jesus, because you preach Jesus, you're being handed over, you're being presumed as guilty. And uh, Jesus says, I'm commanding you, do not be anxious. (laughs) Beforehand, what do you ought to say? That Greek word here for anxious means to worry beforehand and this negative commands actually beats them to stop their distracting anxiety concerning what may happen or should be done what is prohibited here is not thinking what is prohibited here is anxious care worry so jesus is saying how to conduct yourself before judges including governors and and kings, how to address them, what to say in defense, don't let that fill you with apprehension and fear. Do not worry. In other words, fight against the habit of worrying. I wish I had somebody else in here with me. (laughs) Fight against being worried beforehand. I prophesy. I'm telling you what's going to happen to you. And you know what I said is it, coming. Right. Yeah. Right. But you do not need to worry beforehand because I prophesy to you persecution. Yes, wow. Stop the tendency of being distracted. Stop the tendency of having your mind drawn away in opposite direction. Stop going from faith to fear, from fear to faith. What, Jesus? Listen to Jesus. Not only do you declare your sovereignty uh, over all of history, but you declare your sovereignty in, in such a way that even people are being persecuted for your name's sake, because you're in control, they don't have to worry.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, in, 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 you may think, well, uh, c- c- come on, Pastor. Uh, uh, Jesus understands that anxiety is inevitable. Well, that's why he's saying do not worry beforehand." Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be inevitable. That's why he's saying fight against the heaven. That's why he's saying stand against it. You know why he's saying stand against anxiety? Beforehand? Because anxiety means you're not trusting God. (laughs) You remember the Old Testament? Let me give you some uh, some illustrations. In the Old Testament, uh, there was this guy uh, by the name of Moses. He was filled with anxiety beforehand because God called him, commanded him to go to Egypt. Tell Pharaoh, the great I am, said, let my people go. <coughs> Moses protested, I'm not eloquent, Lord. Mm-hmm. I don't speak with yeah. And And God said, oh my goodness, I chose the wrong person. I, yeah, let, let, let me keep moving then, Moses. No, he didn't say that, did he? No, no, no. He, hear what the Lord said in Exodus 4, 11, and 12 that Jesus gives great commentary on here. The Lord said to Moses, Who made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what ye shall speak oh my goodness (laughs) wow and Jesus gives commentary and says okay you want to break that down do not worry beforehand what you want to say (laughs) you remember our friend the prophet Jeremiah Jeremiah I can't do it Lord I'm I'm just a youth I, I, I can't do this Listen to what the Lord said to Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1.9. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Mm. We can always trust God. In the hour of difficulty, the reality is we never have to worry. Thank
1: you, God. Thank you. Lord.
0: We can never we never have to be anxious Following Christ. He'll take care of us. So, what is Jesus saying to his disciples and to us in this? He's saying, Okay, resurrected. Trust the Lord. When, 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 when difficulty comes, it's an opportunity. To trust the Lord you say pastor you know I, I really don't know what I would do if they put me against the wall and said deny Christ or I'll kill you hey. well I tell you what Jesus is saying to you right now mm-hmm. trust me
1: yes Amen. Amen.
0: the student that was killed in the massacre I think that was called by well. They refused to deny Christ. She was just trusting the Lord Hmm. in the hour of persecution. Mm -hmm. Trust the Lord. You're going to find yourself sometimes in a situation when you don't know what to do and you don't know what to say. Mm -hmm. But Jesus is saying, He will not forsake you. He will show you in that day. It is an opportunity to trust Jesus. That's the negative command in the promise. Don't worry. Then there's a positive command in this comforting promise. Notice the text again, beloved. But say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. I love that whatever is given, that's passive. It points to God as the giver of the appropriate answer. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And and the fact that they are to say whatever is given commands obedient utterance of the very words communicated to them by God. That they can't mix it with their own ideas. They've got to say whatever God said to say. So say it in that hour, be, there, there will be particular emergencies. You're going to be unexpectedly hauled into court. But say what I tell you. Now, this may hurt a little bit, OK? Preach. Preach. We're talking about the comforting promise. The native command, do not worry. The, pro, the positive command, say whatever is given to you in that hour. Keep this in mind, okay? This might hurt a little bit, alright? The promise here is for the right words to speak,
1: mm-hmm.
0: not for physical protection or escape.
1: Amen. Amen.
0: Because it is not about the disciples escaping persecution, it is about God giving glory in the midst of persecution. Yes, sir? Are you with me? Yes. Now, let me unpack this a little bit more, How power of God's spirit, of course. Now, to our preachers and teachers, do not misuse this passage to justify a lack of study and preparation for teaching and preaching. I did not use this passage. Say, well, I do have to stay today. I, I just get up and start preaching. God will give me what I need to say. Uh, that's not what this passage is saying. Re- re- remember, for example, 1 Peter 3.15, the Bible says, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. So the passage concerns those who, the disciples who set an arrest makes formal preparation for their defense impossible. That's, that, that's what the disciples is, that, that, that's what the passage is concerned with. So the, the promise Jesus made about knowing what to say, first of all, contextually and interpretively, refers only to the disciples. Okay. First of all, understand that, Say, Pastor. What do you mean? he refers only specifically to the disciples. Well, you know what they said was recorded. Yes, sir. In Scripture, so it was inspired. And you also know they did not have full canon of Scripture like we we have. They had the Old Testament, right? Are you with me? Yes, sir. So uh, the words were directly inspired by the uh, Holy Spirit and these words are recorded in Scripture. You with me? We are not getting the god word given to us today. We're preaching the revelation that has already been given. It's called the Bible. Right? So I don't look up to get a word from the Lord. I open this and get all I want. Thank
1: you, God. Amen. Are you with me? So, so, so the disciples,
0: the apostles, will be given what to say. And notice the reason they can have such assurance and not be anxious beforehand. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. So, four explains why they do not have to be anxious. The Spirit of God is speaking. So it says, rest in my words and yield to the Spirit. He's going to use you in difficult situations to bear witness. I want you to see how Luke uh, communicates this in uh, his writing on the Olivet Discourse. In Luke 21, 15, you can jot this down. Luke writes it this way. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict uh-huh. wow. you. Yes, sir. You know, wisdom is the proper application of, of knowledge. But it says, you're going to be standing before kings. You're going to be standing before governors. And I'm going to give you wisdom that they cannot withstand, Amen. Amen. and I'm going to give you the wisdom of my word that they cannot contradict. And although you're going to be seen as ignorant and unlearned men, the wisdom that I give you will be so great and so powerful that they will not be able to withstand what you say. Amen. Amen. <laughs> now, so, <laughs> wow! He did, yes, sir. Now, although. This doesn't doesn't refer to Christians today getting divine inspiration in terms of God-free word Mm -hmm. because we already have it. This verse does apply to us Mm -hmm. in a very general way. Mm -hmm. Now, we're not waiting for the destruction of the temple. It's already happened, right? But are we waiting for judgment? Remember, the destruction of the temple was judgment. Always right. seeing signs of coming destruction. Wars, earthquakes, rumors of wars, terrorists, right? Yes. Is there still time for people to repent of sin and come to faith in Christ? Yeah. So, like the disciples, we still have opportunities to witness, to proclaim. The gospel of Jesus Christ and we should not miss any of them now he, here's what I want you to understand whenever a person is saved the Holy Spirit comes to indwell them permanently sealed right yes, sir. Ephesians 1 13 14 right sealed as we learn the Word of God we study the Word of God as we talk, and preach the Word of God as we meditate on it, having it dwell in us richly, the Holy Spirit brings to mind what He's taught us. Sometimes don't we struggle? We struggle with doubts, we struggle with, with difficulties. The Holy Spirit enables us to reflect. On the meaning of scripture. (laughs) See, we find ourselves, uh, 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 when we discipline ourselves to meditate on God's word. It is the spirit of God who makes relevant, uh, who connects the word of God in our hearts with our lives and how we are to live in whatever situation we're in. That's the spirit doing that, isn't it? He's said, work in you, both to will and to do. To, to will means to enable you to make the right choices. And how does he enable you uh, to make the right choices? Flowing from a desire to make the right choices, he works the word in you. Yeah. Brings it up to you. Yeah. And enables you to live it out. Yes. And he, Christ thus lives through you. Yeah. Is anybody in here with me? Yeah. Now, some truths of Scripture reveal their heat and sweetness only in seasons of difficulties.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: and it is the Spirit who opens them up to us. Listen, for example, to Psalm 119, verse 71. Strange language in our day. <laughs> it is good for me yes, sir. that I was afflicted,
1: I was afflicted. Yes, sir.
0: that I might learn your statutes. Yes. So, wait a minute. Some, are you saying that you learned the statutes, the Word of God, when you were afflicted? Yes, sir. Yes, <laughs> yes sir. That's so what he's saying. Martin Luther, the Reformer made this astounding statement. He said, it is impossible for a human heart without crosses and tribulations to think upon God. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. And you, you may think, well, I think Luther went too far. Well, to become saved, doesn't somebody have to understand that their whole life has been wrong and deny themselves, take up their alright See, Christ promises comfort here the Holy Spirit is going to carry out his work he's the guarantor of the promises of Christ and saints, the reality is in our lives today the more the, the, the more trials the more difficulties we suffer the better opportunities the Holy Spirit Desires to use us to take advantage of what's happening to us and give God glory through it. See, really, we Christians have a lot in common with tea. Tea. All
1: right, Pastor.
0: You know when our strength comes out? Mm -hmm. When we're in hot water. (laughs) Right? When we're in hot water, then, <laughs> right? <laughs> I remember Stephen was in some hot water. You remember Stephen? In, in, in Acts chapter 7, he was in some, some hot water, and there was stoning him. And you know what Stephen said in the midst of being stoned? Lord Jesus, receive my spirit, forgive them, they do not know what they're doing. That sounds like the very words of Christ on the cross. You know who was watching that story? Amen. Saul, Paul. Yes.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Stabbing him right in the heart. This doesn't sound like blessedness, does it? But listen to Jesus again. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, but theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5, 10. Wow. Comfort in the midst of it. But don't get comfort mixed up with this prosperity gospel that is no gospel at all. Because they're saying comfort means deliverance out of it. Jesus is saying, mm-hmm. comfort is the strength to be a witness in the midst of it, whether you get delivered or not. That's right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's right. Yes, the that, 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 story about this woman. She uh, she had she had some chickens. She had some chickens. So, uh, you know, the chickens went out. Uh, out of her yard, they got into the neighbor's yard. The neighbors didn't like her chickens, so the neighbor, he's infuriated. He's extremely angry because uh, the woman's chickens got in his yard. And this woman was godly. The neighbor was ungodly. So she's standing out in the yard, and uh, 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 she saw her chicken uh, get over into the neighbor's yard. The neighbor's standing out in the yard, and, and, and the neighbor grabs that chicken, rings the neck, pops his neck. Throws him back over into her yard and he lands right there at her feet. He was really angry. Well, the lady took the chicken, brought it into the house, cleaned it, knocked on the neighbor's door that evening and brought him some chicken soup. <laughs> Don't miss the opportunity to be a witness. Don't miss the opportunity. God doesn't want us to be vengeful. God doesn't want us to be uh, 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 just praying, Lord, get me out of this. God wants our number one priority to be, Lord, how do I bring you glory through this? Right? Even if we're hospitalized, even if we're suffering grief, even in painful loss, Even though we're criticized for for being a Christian, the Holy Spirit is saying to us today, trust me. Trust Jesus. And make your main goal to be if I'm dying, I want to die a witness. If I'm suffering, I want to suffer a witness. If I'm being criticized, I want to be a criticized witness. Right? Got help promised. I gotta move on. Are you with me? Yes. yes. Is, 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 is that not a comforting promise? Yes. It's going to happen. Oh yeah. We to trust Jesus. But but notice in verses 12 and 13, the crushing hatred. The crushing hatred. And I and I want to share with you three things about this hatred. I want you to see the reality of this hatred. Verse 12, I want you to see the reason for this hatred. Verse 13, I want you to see the resolve of this hatred. Verse 13, notice the reality of it, of this hatred, It's crushing hatred. And brother will deliver brother over to death. And the father, his child, and the children will, will rise against parents and have them put to death. Well, that's a crushing hatred, isn't it? How extreme will this persecution be, Jesus? Verse 12 tells us that hatred will manifest itself even in the most intimate family relationships. Do I have anybody here? It will, right? That word deliver. I dealt with that word a little bit uh, last week, I think. But that, that word, deliver, means betray. Jesus knows the word real well. Yes. Yeah. Because there was this guy who was walking with him, That's right. Who was walking with him for years, by the name of Judas, who betrayed him. There was this guy named Peter, Deny him not one time, not two times, but three times. Yes, Jesus knows this word well, and he knows uh, that, 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 that rejection can happen and hatred can happen in the most intimate of relationships. A little bit of grammar all, all the nouns in this verse are without the article, so it's stressing the character of relationships brother and brother, father and child, children. And parents. Wow. Do we see that happen? Yes, we You better open your eyes. We see it. Jesus is saying it will even be that children shall rise up in rebellion against their parents. And in this context, they're going to report them to, to authorities as Christians and cause their parents to be put to death. And that plural verb, rise up, marks this, not as an isolated occasion, numerous times, numerous instances of this unnatural conduct. Children going against parents, brothers against brothers. Now, that's pretty strong in the, in, in the Jewish household really a lot stronger than it uh, is as we hear today. That's real strong in the Jewish household for them to hear that. Because, you you, you remember Joshua, the leader of his home? When he spoke, he spoke for his house. Listen to what he said, Joshua 24, 15. Mm -hmm. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. In the Jewish world, it was the household more than the individual that determined identity or witness to God. So, the breakup of family, attack, and uh, the very life and faith at the most intimate level. Isaac didn't tell Abraham, uh, excuse me, I don't believe what you believe.
1: That's right, that's right. <laughs> <clears throat>
0: <laughs> no, right. Abraham told him yes. what God said to him yes, how, he, how he came to him. He was a pagan in the earth of the Chaldeans and out of worship, transformed his life and he's been following God. He passed that on to Isaac Isaac God. Uh, Isaac passed wow. it on to Jacob, Jacob. right: Yes yes. Sir. Uh, I mean, when, when you look at the house of Abraham, you didn't think about uh, I wonder if, if his children did. believe All right. Amen so, watch this, for a Jewish household to hear this, for a Jewish man to hear this, they knew that standing for Christ would, would, would cause trouble at the most intimate level of relationships. And watch this, Micah prophesied it too, Micah 7, 6, listen to him. For the son treats the father with contempt, the daughter rises up against her mother, the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and man's enemies are the, are, are the members, are, are the men of his own house. Wow. I'm telling you, saints. But let me give you a little more. Persecution, Jesus is saying, is going to continue and it's going to intensify. And the bonds of family can begin to erode. Don't be surprised. Now listen to Jesus again over in Luke 12, 51 through 53. Do you think I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, in one house, there will be five divided, three against two, and two against three. They will be divided father against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Why? Because... In the household, there will be some that trust Christ. There will be others that do not trust Christ. And Christ is saying that trusting me means there's going to be division in the most intimate relationships. You know, you can have trouble in your family. Watch this. I know what I'm talking about here, okay? You can have trouble in your family, and you want to handle it biblically. But they won't come to the table. Yeah. Yeah. And some of them to know Jesus. Yes. Right? But they will not come to the table. Listen. Don't beat yourself up. Because they're not reconciled. You're not reconciled. Yeah. You want to do it. It's only one way to do it. Biblically. It's only one way to do it. Biblically. It's only one way to do it. Biblically. You can't do it. Cooking hamburgers on the grill.
1: There's only one
0: way to do it biblically. Reconciliation can only happen God's way according to God's Word and the Spirit works. That's the only way to do it. There's not confession. There's not repentance. There cannot be reconciliation. Amen. So there's going to be division. And if, if you're really following Christ and you're really seeking to be reconciled biblically, don't beat yourself up because you're not. You can't make anyone. Jesus said it's going to be like this. Right? But do understand the point Jesus crystallizes here. Following Jesus takes precedence yes,
1: sir.
0: over all other loyalties. Yes, That's the gospel isn't it? <laughs> right? Yeah. Loyalty to Jesus Christ takes precedence over mother, father, sister, brother, children, grandma, granddad, uncle yes. Amen. Right? Christ says he must have the preeminence. Amen. Listen, if I, and I'm saying for real, but let's say I'm a pretender, and I decided I'm not going to follow Jesus any longer. My wife would be a fool if she followed me. That's
1: right. Yes, all right.
0: Into that unbelief.
1: That's right.
0: Jesus must have the preeminence. Yes, sir. Right? Yes. <laughs> Jesus, a relationship with Jesus takes precedence over all other relationships. Yes, sir. Are you with me? Sometimes beloved, I'm telling you. <laughs> that doesn't make it easier, that makes it more difficult. But that's the reality we have to face, right? Yeah. Following Jesus. Amen. That's the reality his disciples have to face. Yes. Yes, because sir. they follow him. Yes,
1: sir.
0: That's the reality. What's the reason for this hatred? And you will be hated, verse 13, by all for my name's sake, all men will hate you. That word hate means to have a feeling of hostility and strong dislike with the possible implication of design to do harm. You know how I, I would say, well, I, I, I don't hate, hate this person. I just, I just really, really, really don't like him. You better be careful with that. You better be careful with that. I don't see biblical support for that, (laughs) right? The expressions uh, for hate, you can think of some idiomatic phrases. For example, it means to kill in the heart. It means to spit at someone in the heart. What's going on inside of you? You will be hated. There will be people who will not have the opportunity to kill you, but in their heart they want to yeah. spit at you in their heart. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a continuing process. You will be hated. That's continual, on and on. And here's the reason, for my name's sake. If you stand for Christ, it will arouse the hatred that is in people's heart for Him. Oh. So, you're not going to be hated because of your errors or your personal thoughts. You're going to be hated because you are a Christian. Listen to 1 Peter four sixteen. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Now listen, beloved, sometimes we'll get some favorable press from the media. Sometimes. But you might be interviewed one day and the very next day. <laughs> it's a whole different story. I was, I was asked to, uh, to share some encouraging words at my daughter's graduation. I, I think it was Tiffany. until young. I'm getting a little bit older, you know, past 40. So I don't remember, but I know it was at graduation, arts and science. And when the when the teacher came to me, you know, she made it clear, you know, you can't say anything about Jesus. I said, I'm a preacher. She said, but tell me, but you, you can't say anything about Jesus. I said, but I'm a Christian. She said, well, you know, I'm just saying they don't want you saying anything. You know, she started bagging up a little bit. They do not want you saying anything about Jesus. I said, if I speak, I'm going to say something about Jesus. She said, well, go ahead, but. You know, that, that's what they told me to tell you. <laughs> so you're going you, you, to ask me, a Christian, a Christian, to speak and not say anything about Jesus? you got to be out of your mind. I'm saying something about Jesus. But, but you know, I didn't try to surprise I let her know up front. Yes, I am going to say something. And I did. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I said something about Jesus. <laughs> you want me to encourage you? If they get ready to walk out in the future, the, 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 the number one person they need is Jesus. And you think I'm gonna keep my mouth shut and try to define success simply by getting a good education and getting this? What profits a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Yeah, I'm gonna say something about Jesus. Hate me. Hate me if you want to, but Jesus coming out of my mouth. Alright that the world hates you, Jesus said, keep in mind that it hated me first.
1: That's right,
0: That's John 15, 18 and 19. If you belong to the world, it will love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. (laughs) So, you can either get assurance of your salvation. When you're standing for Christ and the world hates you, Jesus says, because they see me. Yes. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> they see me. And I'm going to let you join me in the fellowship of my sufferings. <laughs> right? Philippians 3.10. And you're blessed, Matthew 5.10, when you suffer for me because you join me in the fellowship of my sufferings. But understand, the reason I hate you is not about you. It's about me. Lastly, what is to be our resolve in the midst of this hatred? Verse 13 again. I love the Bible. I'm telling you, it's the most amazing book in the world. Will you, will you, will you, will you let me, I, I won't take long. will you let me unpack this last point? The, the resolve of this hatred. We've got to have this resolve. The, the, this last part of this verse is so extremely important to all of the rest of the verses but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Wow. Let's get the meaning and then I'll give you some application. The word endures here. I think Deacon Culture brought up this great word in in our Sunday school class, uh, thinking through its relationship to persevering Weighted together. It means to bear up under suffering, to be courageous in suffering, to persevere and withstand it patiently, but actively, not passively. So when you think of enduring persecution actively, here's the way you need to understand this word. You maintain your belief, you maintain your course of action in the face of opposition. You stand your ground, you hold out, you endure no matter what's happening to you. You, you. you cling by faith to Christ and His Word. That's what Jesus is saying. The one who endures to the end will be saved. You've got to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. You've got to remain faithful and loyal to Christ. To the end, what end is he talking about? Well, watch this. I'm throwing you a curve. The reference to the end of the trial uh, 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 to the end of the trial, or more specifically, to the end of a person's life. It doesn't necessarily have to be to the end when Christ comes, because we know when our life ends, it's over. Right? The disciples, the disciples that he's talking to, they didn't endure till Christ came. They endured until their life was over.
1: Yes, sir. Right?
0: So you gotta be faithful to Christ. No matter what. Save. What does save mean? That's, that's salvation. That's eternal life. Wait a minute, Pastor. Jesus is saying the one who endures to the end. The one who endures to the end, you see, the one who endures to the end will be saved? Sounds like salvation by works. So, Pastor, is it true that only those who endure to the end will be saved? Absolutely, that's what Jesus said. Is it salvation by works? Absolutely not. Jesus never taught that. Right? Amen. So then, what's he saying? This is what Jesus is saying, don't miss this, genuine faith, real faith, real faith that every true Christian has, will issue in Christian living that will endure trial and persecution to the end. False faith will not, but real faith will, right? And all Jesus is saying, the evidence that it's real is that you endure. If it's not real, you'll turn back. But if God has begun a good work in you, Philippians 1 see, if God started something in you, if you have been regenerated and born again, if you have truly trusted Christ as Lord and Savior, if the Holy Spirit truly indwells you, real faith will endure to the end. Right? tells me something about faith it's supernatural isn't it it's god given the origin of faith is god himself
1: right
0: faith is not simply sitting in a chair and trusting a chair No, no, no faith is deeper than that Faith is the gift that comes from God, Ephesians two eight nine. The gift that comes from God, uh, from God uh, the gift that, 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 that trusts and works and honors and obeys and submits to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. James says, you can't have faith if you don't have works. That's it. That's it. Right? Amen. You know, I can give you a good working definition of faith, and I'm going to give it to you, okay? Faith... if if you want, you you can have it afterwards because you probably will not be able to write it down fast enough, but I don't know, you may be able to finish writing. Faith is a life-dominating conviction that all God has for me Mm -hmm. through obedience is better by far than anything the flesh Satan can offer me through selfishness and sin. Faith is a life-dominating conviction That all God has for me through obedience, through obedience Is better yes sir, By far, not a little better, by far Than anything the flesh, the world, or the devil Can offer me through selfishness and sin So if I die in faith, obeying Christ when I'm dying Is far better than denouncing Christ and denying him in order to live. Yes, sir. Not a little better, it's far better. Uh, I heard Paul say, to be with Christ is far better. Yeah. I heard Paul say, the suffering of this present moment is not worthy to be compared. Yes, with the glory that shall be revealed in us. A man who used to attend this church said to me one time, he said, go. I said, yes. He said, you know what your problem is? I said, what? He said, you believe all of that.
1: Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Like, you know what I said?
0: I said, I'm saying. What else is there? Yes, we well, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. It's not for me to get a preacher preach the Bible and not believe it. Yes, of course I believe it. Yes. I believe. I believe to be with Christ is formed. Yes. I believe that the sufferings of this present moment is not worthy to be compared. Yes, That's the faith that shields us. That's the faith that preserves the soul and does not shrink back. That's the faith that brings assurance and conviction. That's the faith that meets God's approval without which you can't even please Him. That's the faith that enables me to run with endurance the race that is set before me. I'm going on in now. That's the faith that has me delighting in righteousness. That's the faith. That's the faith that makes obedience a delight to me, Because it's a God-given faith. Yes,
1: sir. Thank you, God.
0: Right? Yes. God-given faith, you know what happens? It endures no matter what. Endures means to be able to remain under, actively, continually, to trust Christ, to obey the word no matter what. Wow. All true Christians will endure to the end. So I was teaching me and I know there's some that believe you can lose your salvation, no, but that's sir. not possible. No, sir. No, sir. It would be possible if salvation was of man, but since no, salvation no. is of the Lord. Thank you, God. Thank <laughs> it is not possible. You know why it's not possible? Because it's God's work God's in us. Work. You know why it's not possible? Because it's God's promises to us. Yeah. You know why it's not possible? Because it's Christ's victory for us. Yeah. You know why it's not possible? Because nothing can separate us yeah. from the love yeah. of God that is in Christ Jesus. You know why it's not possible because the Spirit of God indwells us. You know why it's not possible? Because our Savior said if you lose your life, you'll save
1: it. It's just
0: not possible for us to be lost. Yeah. Take comfort, brothers and sisters. Nobody can pluck you. Out of the Father's hand. Eh? Take comfort nothing will ever happen to you that's outside of the will of God. Amen. So whatever he allows to happen to you, as tragic and as difficult and as hard as it may be, he will cause it to work together yes. for your good. Okay. He's superintendent. he's over it, he's in control of it, and he's going to hold you up through it. Yes. Take comfort. You may be persecuted, but you're not forsaken. You may be cast down. But you're not destroyed. Take comfort. In the end, we'll receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Hallelujah. Glory to the rock of our salvation. That's simply the beginning of the end. But God will see us through. Hallelujah.